True Blue LA podcast. The Dodgers are 97 and 54 after going 4 and 2 last week. They have a 20 and a half game lead in the NL West, but it doesn't matter because they clinched to the division really really early, a little later than we thought though, Eric. There were fewer there are fewer than 20 and a half games left, so they're in pretty good shape division-wise, I would say. <laughs> that's uh, that's the expert analysis you come to this podcast for. That's I'm right. Jacob Birch, you're Eric Steven. Hello. Where where were you when the Dodgers clinched the division? Uh, I was sitting in the exact seat I'm sitting in now uh, in my apartment in West Covina uh, watching the game that was in Baltimore. It was the series opener. Um, I believe that was also Bark at the Park night. Um, and my brother who lives in Baltimore was visiting last week. He went to one of the Giants games uh, in at Dodger Stadium. And um, he went to ended up going to Wednesday's game. And he was adamant the week before saying he didn't want to go to the stadium when there's going to be a bunch of dogs walking around like i like i don't know if he thought they were going to poop on him or what but like <laughs> i said they generally keep him in like a you know uh, a few different areas so it's not like you're going to be like having dogs climbing all over you during the game and he's like no nah, i don't want to go to that game so he did not he missed the clincher twice uh so that's too bad I'm not exactly sure where I was because I was probably sleeping on one of hmm. either the guest, probably the guest bed, because uh, I was still getting over that really nasty cold. But I'm back now. We're going to talk about the Dodgers. We've got a Cody Bellinger update. We're going to kind of look ahead to see what the last remaining bit of regular season looks like all after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, before we get too deep in it, we got to start with the Cody Pellinger pace update. Uh, the pace has gone way down uh, since last week because he, Cody Bellinger, from a power standpoint, hasn't really done anything. Uh, he homered on Labor Day, and the Dodgers, or he's played, or I guess he's played in all of them, uh, 11 games and 46 plate appearances without a home run, uh, without an extra base hit during that time. Um, so he's, he's still at 44 home runs, um, 108 RBIs now. He's on pace for 47 home runs and 116. Uh, so like the, the, the top dog in like Dodger home run history, Sean Green with 49, Adrian Beltre has 48. So as it stands now, Bellinger's already third, nobody in between those, uh, but his, he has to pick it up a little bit, um, or else he won't catch either of those two guys. You concerned at all? Or is this just sort of a normal slump thing? I mean, like everyone is always quick to be like, oh, that's, that's world series Bellinger, you know, like, or that, you know, that was. He's swinging and missing, and he is like he—he, he, you know, he—he he always has that like sort of half swing on an outside pitch that looks really bad uh, when he's fooled or something. Um, the strikeouts are up, but not like alarmingly so, I don't think. But I will say this: um, you know, it—we talked about earlier in the season when he was over 400 that he's clearly not hitting 400, 
But like, even if he has like his his like two year average the rest of the way, he's still going to end up with a nice season. He's kind of ended up that way, like since like the middle of May or whenever he was last over four hundred. Um, but I will say this: like right now, he's hitting three hundred four, four hundred seven, six twenty five. The, the 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 number of qualified seasons in Dodger history when a player has slugged 600 is like very minuscule. So like just him uh, starting his slugging percentage with a six is going to be an accomplishment. Uh, but it's funny because his batting average right now 304 and his slugging percentage 625 is the lowest it's been all season after a game. Uh, so we are watching Cody Bellinger at his worst this year right now. Like that, that he, this is as bad as he's been and he still has an OPS over a thousand. So worried, uh, I, you know, it's a slump. Um, but like not, probably not like I, he still has time to turn around, I think. And, and if he wants long, to yeah. turn it around in the playoffs, that's just fine. Yeah. Take well, the, yeah. Take two weeks off. It's fine. Maybe he's getting it out of the way now. And then like, he's going to really go off in October. Who knows? That's how slumps work, Eric. I looked at that's, it. It's true. So both series kind of resembled the same way. A game that was not close in the Dodgers' favor, a loss, and then a kind of a, a game closer than you would like. I, I yeah. texted you after the after the Mets series done. It felt like a ho-hum, kind of weird 4-2 week. Yeah, it was weird. Or one thing that was weird, too, is like, okay, so they're all on the East Coast, but every single game last week started at 4 o'clock uh, Pacific time. So... It was like great for uh, me, the, by the way. Right, uh, <laughs> got to go to uh, bed look, at a normal hour. I, I when I when I back when I had a day job and like you know worked until five or six or whatever uh, at the office, I hated East Coast games. Now that I'm like my job is to, like cover baseball and I'm home or something, uh, I love them to death. And uh, like when when the game is over, it's like still probably light out here, you know, and uh, it's pretty great. Uh, so yeah, for I'm I'm a fan. Four o'clock games, four of them, please. So, I mean, the other Dodgers clinched the division. This was, <clears throat> not only has it been a four-long conclusion for a while, it's also kind of all we've been focused on. I've started every podcast for the last mm-hmm. two months with uh, their division lead, and we would usually talk about the magic number. Still two weeks to play. Still a lot to play for, especially since the Dodgers have been kind of kind of middling over the last month, whereas the Yankees and Astros have kind of continued their their hot pace. Still not far behind those two teams. Where do the Dodgers stand in terms of both against the Braves, looking for National League um, dominance in terms of home field, and then should they play the Astros and the Yankees in the World Series um, home field there? Yeah, so as it stands right now, like the one thing we know is at, at a minimum – the Dodgers are going to be the home team for their National League Division Series. Um, they have a four-game lead on the Braves for the top spot in um, in the National League, so like that should give them that would give them home field throughout the NL playoffs. Um, the magic number for that is seven right now. The Dodgers own the tiebreaker with the Braves, so they only have to tie them. Um, so, like to look at that another way. Um, the Dodgers, there's 22 outcomes left. The Dodgers have 11 games. The Braves have 11 games. Um, the Dodgers only need seven of those 22 to go their way. Very excellent position. Whereas the Braves would need 16 of 22 uh, things to go their way to get home field, uh, to get the number one seed. So that would just uh, essentially mean if the Dodgers were to fall to the number two seed, they would face the NL Central winner, uh, which right now is the Cardinals, but that's close it's getting closer, like with the Cubs and the Brewers still. So that's like undecided. 
but like that's where it would sort of but it, it looks like the Dodgers are going to be the one seed and play the wild card team right now Nationals have a lead there Cubs are in second wild card position but they're again battling with the Cardinals for the division and the Brewers are only like a game behind though so the Brewers like lost uh, Christian Yelich to a broken kneecap so like um that's that's tough you know really awful news for them but they're like still playing pretty well so like they're not completely out of it just yet um as far as the best record overall so the dodgers are a game behind both the yankees and the astros the yankees and astros are both 98 and 53 and the dodgers are 97 and 54 both of them have the tiebreaker over la la uh, the new york is simple they beat them in the series at dodger stadium two games to one so if they if they were to finish tied and meet in the World Series, the Yankees would have home field. The Astros, it's weirder because so if you don't play head to head, the MLB's like default second tiebreaker is division record, even though they're in different leagues. So like it's not really comparable. <laughs> so like right, right now the Astros are forty seven and eighteen against the AL West. All eleven of their remaining games are against division. Dodgers are forty three and twenty four. They have nine games left. They also play the Rays twice this week. So. Uh, the Astros are probably going to finish there with a better divisional record. But, like, um, if if that somehow was also tied, the next uh, tiebreaker is intra-league records, so, like, league record against your own league. And the Dodgers right now are a game up on the Astros in that regard. They are 88-45 against the NL, and Houston's 87-44 and against the AL. So it looks like, essentially, Dodgers um, – will not have the tiebreaker with the Astros probably. So the the Dodgers magic number for like best record overall over both of those teams is 13. Looking at the other way is um, 13 out of 22 outcomes they need to have happen their way. It's, it's unlikely or, you know, less likely than not. Um, whereas the Yankees or the Astros magic number over the Dodgers is 10. So like, um, you know, if the Dodgers got hot, certainly they could, close the gap or, or, you know, beat them. But uh, right now I'd say the odds are in the Yankees and the Astros' favor. Most important thing that's going to happen between now and the end of the regular season, though, is just getting an idea of who is healthy and what this team is going to look like. You and I are going to record a special episode sometime soon, uh, really getting to that in depth. But we definitely should go over some of the injuries um, and injury updates that we've gotten over the last week as we look to the playoffs. Yeah, so the one big one last week that we were looking for was Rich Hill coming back, and he hadn't hadn't pitched in three months. He had the forearm uh, like flexor tendon strain, and um, he he was back. It was going to be an abbreviated start on Wednesday in Baltimore. It was only supposed to go two innings. It ended up going two outs. <laughs> Rich Hill was like dealing uh, the curveball at great. He struck out the first two batters, and then I guess uh, he mentioned afterward it happened like on the either this, the last pitch or the second to last pitch to the second batter, he hurt his left knee. And um, and then you could see on the mound, like Rich is like demonstrative anyway on the mound, you know, you could sort of always, you always know what he's feeling out there because he's usually just like either cussing or pontificating or just looking in anguish. But he looked like he was, he was hurting. Um, and it turns out he had a left knee issue. He ended up hitting two guys. I mean, one was like on the back foot on an 0-2 pitch, I believe, and, and, like, you know, he was – and he walked two guys, so he gave up a run. Um, so, like, it was – or I guess I guess he ended up giving up two runs. I can't remember exactly what he did. But um, 
he only faced six batters, and he just got those two outs. So he came out. As it stands now, he he's not going to start this week, but like he's having an MRI either today or Tuesday. Uh, we'll see. And it's you know I would not bet on him like being pitching again this year, but he seemed to uh, not rule it out. And like Dave Roberts is like, we'll wait for the medical um, information first. But he'll throw, uh, I think, twice in New York, but because he's a maniac who throws every day. And so he's like sort of preparing, like he's still going to pitch. But at this point, it, it's like we talked about before like, um, even if he's back, he's like an abbreviated pitcher. So I would say you can't count on him for more than like two, maybe three innings. So, like, at best, he's he just goes into that pile of, like, multi-inning guys. But, yeah, it, it was it was a very fleeting moment where uh, he looked really good for two batters. Then, oh, no, he looks like he's hurt. Then, like, so it was kind of a bummer. We'll, we'll see what the injury news is this week. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not holding my breath or anything for him. Uh, the other sort of uh, – well, there's a couple. But the, the bigger news for me now is, like, Justin Turner. Uh, he sprained his left ankle last weekend. Um, and um like he hasn't played since it's been seven games uh and like to to put that in perspective like shane gillis was hired by saturday night live and then subsequently fired uh but uh and turner still hasn't played in that uh, time so i would say um i guess the plan now is he was supposed to maybe start on tuesday against the rays but dave roberts after sunday's game was like maybe not so like you always sort of overplay injuries um, in terms of what the manager says and things like that. So I would say he's probably not going to play. And since it's a two-game series with two off days, you can probably safely say Turner might not play till the weekend. So it's one of those things where it just kind of keeps lingering. They said over the, like last week, like, you know, if these games mattered, like we might suck it up or whatever. But like Dodgers are in position to sort of make sure he's healthy. And I think that's what they're sort of looking at. So, that's a concern for now. Um, he's been swinging the bat so well, especially since the all-star break. Um, and then uh, Max Muncy, was, uh, he returned, but with his sort of uh, fractured wrist that he, they said is still not quite 100%. He said it affected him more throwing than batting, which is could be a problem when, you know, he has to make throws in the infield, but we'll see. He was one for 12 with six strikeouts and two walks um, against the Mets. You know, it's hard to tell anything from three games, but – you hope that he he wasn't like rushed back and then like he's going to be like compromised at the plate because that'll be a problem. The other like injury of note, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more on our next podcast when we sort of go over the potential like playoff roster. But Alex Verdugo, his oblique is apparently fine, but he has a lower back injury now too that um, he's still having problems with. Uh, Dave Roberts basically said last week that that will kind of keep him off the it's probably going to keep him off the NLDS roster. There's nothing obviously definite there, but he hasn't really played. And so there's really, it's like running out of time basically where he, he might be able to play at some point in October. Um, but you know, it's just like, you have to be able to get game ready and like plan for that. And it's, you know, there's no more games to play. So they have to do like simulated games or go to Arizona, uh, do stuff like that and get them ready. And, you know, very well could, but it sounds like he's not in that position yet. So uh, what it, for the immediate short term, it meant they brought up Edwin Rios, where Dave Roberts said when they were home, they said, we're, we're not going to call up Edwin Rios or Kyle Garlic. Their seasons are basically over. But then they're like, hey, we, we 
that left-handed bat we thought we were going to get back in Alex Verdugo. Let's have that on the bench now. So Rios got the call. He actually homered uh, in one of the games um, last week. Uh, this, if anything, and again, we'll talk about this uh, on uh, next week's podcast, but, you know, it sort of solidifies like Matt Beatty's spot on the on the postseason roster. I thought he was Does kind it? of there already. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, right. I really you wish know, we were recording that episode now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've exactly. Got thoughts on that. And so it's like, you know, this like they need that like left-handed bench bat that Verdugo is going to provide, and Verdugo started a lot too. But like, uh, the fact that Verdugo is not going to be there, and they need that is, and then another thing is like, you know, you could argue. It also like helps Gavin Lux, which it certainly does. One thing I was going to bring up before you get too much in the Lux as it relates is Max Muncy started every game at first, whereas he had been kind of a lot of second. second. Do you think this means, could this mean Max Muncy is purely a pinch hitter slash first baseman in the playoffs? No, Um, they, they, uh, in fact, they're facing two lefties this week in the Rays. Although the first one is, is, um, Blake Snell, and he's only going to go like two or three innings top. So it's almost an opener-esque. So I don't think they're necessarily going to stack the lineup with righties like they do. But uh, basically, Roberts was saying with Muncie back, he's going to play second against lefties. So, uh, but we'll see. But I will say this about Lux. Uh, Lux has started 11 of 12 games since he got called up. They didn't call him up to sit, right? And so, and they've only faced two lefties in that time, but he started one of those games. Now, that was also a game without Muncie. And I forgot someone had like um, an issue that game. Uh, maybe was it Turner? Maybe Turner was originally in the lineup. I forget. And then like they, they put out like three different lineups because they scratched like two people or something. And then Lux like stayed in the lineup. So it was sort of a thing. But uh, I think that sort of tells you like that Lux is playing now. And so like, we'll, again, we'll get into it on the playoff thing. But the, that's there's there's room for both. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of like, those are sort of the, the big injuries to sort of, uh, watch, uh, Joe Kelly. We talked about him briefly last week because he had the leg thing, but he's, he's pitched, he pitched this week, although he hit a guy, um, over, uh, the weekend in New York. It was a very weird inning on Saturday, but yeah, um, that's, that's kind of it on the injuries. We have some questions from Craig and I know you have some sort of rant you want to go into before we even did that. But uh, before we get to that, I think there's just some odds and ends that you wanted to get to. Yeah, so like last week, I you remember uh, most of our podcast was like talking about how like what the real concerns were for the Dodgers, and like a lot of it was like, hey, their their like entire uh, one of their biggest strengths this year has been starting pitching, specifically the big three at the top of the rotation, and the three those three pitchers were like very skittish of late or up and down i'll say at least in the case of bueller ryu was downright bad for four straight starts and kershaw had a couple shortened outings so like there was concern there and not that like everything gets solved in a week but like all all three were really good this last week like uh bueller like really shut down the orioles and the orioles are terrible so like take what you can get but he, he uh struck out 11 in seven innings so like and then he, he it was a planned shortened outing on Sunday. Um, they um, he only pitched five innings, but that was by design because they the Dodgers wanted they had they wanted to get like four relievers into that game. Um, so like basically an inning each, which they kind of did. The ninth was a little weird, but um, 
and in Ryu, he had they skipped him once, so he had nine days rest before Saturday, and it was against Jacob Degrom. Both pitched seven scoreless innings. Both were fantastic, and like Ryu, like needed that, you know, just to sort of get back on track because he look he, like he was gas. And I I know they I think he said he, they said he worked on a couple mechanical things, which happens, you know, over the course of the year. But like that was a concern, like that he was just sort of running out of gas at the end and just to sort of see that was a good sign. And then the thing is like, well, he still has to pitch like, you know, essentially every fifth day in the playoffs. But like, if you look at it, like um, as it stands right now, so they slotted Ryu back into the rotation on the Saturday game of the series against the Mets. So the rotation over the weekend was Kershaw, Ryu, Bueller. And then they have, well, they only have five games this week and, they're starting the weekend again in that order. Kershaw, Ryu, Bueller, and I don't know about you. Like, there's certainly time now. There's time between now and uh, the postseason for them to reorder as they see fit. But I don't think that was an accident, and I think that's the order they're going to go in. I'm sure uh, I'll be there uh, this week to sort of ask about that, and I doubt they're going to say anything definitive. But um, I would bet on that being the the rotation order for the postseason. Kershaw game one. Ryu game two, Bueller game three. We'll see how it goes, but that's sort of where they're at right now. But then, it, so back to the rest thing. So uh, Ryu had nine days rest before this start. Uh, they're all pitching next weekend, so all three of them are getting six days rest. And then, depending on how they maneuver it, um, they're either going to get five and then six days rest, or six and then five days rest for the last regular season start and then game one or whenever they pitch in the playoffs. So they're going to be pretty well rested. And then if like Ryu's going in game two, right, of the NL uh, DS, um, they're not going to like go short rest on anyone like they used to do with Kershaw all the time. So that essentially leaves him out of commission for the rest of the series unless he does some like relief thing in game five, which is unlikely. So, like, if the Dodgers were to advance to the NLCS, Ryu would be rested whether he goes in game one or game two of that series. So, like, he's going to be on extra rest, like, his next, like, at least four starts. So, that's a positive, too. So, like, I, it's, I'm less concerned about Ryu than I was. He's obviously still has to, you know, perform. But, like, yeah, that was a big, big start, especially for Ryu. Um, so, that, that was good to see. The other thing is um, the, the one, obviously, we're all, like, worried about or thinking about is Kenley Jansen. Uh, he pitched two perfect innings last week and, and frankly looked really good. Uh, the, uh, the cutter was really moving. And um, it, we've talked about this a lot. Like it, he's been all over the place like this year, you know, some, some days he just doesn't have it where he's like completely missing spots or his cutter's really flat. But then also sometimes he's stubborn where he doesn't mix in other pitches. So he has to sort of do all this, but also, it doesn't really matter if he mixes in other pitches, if the cutter is crap, you know? So like, uh, but the cutter this week looked really good and it was moving um, and going roughly where he wanted it to go, which is basically what you want. So obviously it's going to be like, um, you know, it's, this is when it's going to be like in October. We're all like, Oh man, does Kimley have it tonight or does he not? But so that that's all you, you see, like when he's right, he still looks awesome. Right. Like the, there's nobody in the bullpen who has that really. Um, and I would just say, uh, David Bassey, I think talked to him uh, after Sunday's game. He tweeted this. He said, uh, Kimley Jensen said, whenever I, I feel it click, 
I just have to hold on to it. That's what you've been witnessing the last two games. And it's like, that's kind of what we're all like feeling watching Kenley Jensen right now. It's like, just hold on for dear life, Kenley. <laughs> you know, like, that, a month that's, and a half. It's all we need. Right. So, and it, not even that. It's like, it's like five weeks, you know, like if you think about it. So like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, those, those, the four most important pitchers the Dodgers have uh, had good weeks. And that's a positive sign, I think, for them. We've got questions from Craig and a rant about ESPN after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Vox, is Vox like somehow owned by Disney? Is everyone owned by Disney at this point? No. Great. Private. Yeah. This is great. We're not going to get yelled at. All right, go for it. You ha- I, I, I just sent me a note. You send me send me notes every week. A lot of times they're really detailed. This one just says ESPN rant. Okay, so I just want to preface this, and this is not really a rant. I'm not Dennis Miller, uh, but especially the last 20 years, Dennis Miller. Um, but um, look, announcing on a national level, I will admit, like that has to be like the hardest job of all the announcing jobs in baseball, because. You like how are you gonna? How do you keep track of like all thirty teams, right? Especially if you have like a, a no, another announcing job like during the season. Like you basically have to do. Uh, that's why uh, national guys like or national announcers go in early to to do a day or two prep work for their national game, so they actually have like research on their side or you know some general semblance of what's going on because it's hard to go in blind, right? And look, yep, there's a lot of time to fill in nine innings, and I get it. And I'm not looking for like, you know, I'm not, I'm trying not to nitpick, but my God, man, the the ESPN Sunday night broadcast is is just almost unlistenable at this point. Um, I will say around the third inning or so, um, the news of Rick Ocasek dying broke, and so I was listening to car the cars for like almost the entire rest of the game, like while watching it on mute. And that was awesome. <laughs> um, so, so the couple things I, I would just, so th- this is the thing, like if you don't like know a team and you just go in and you like, my biggest thing is like, so, okay, let's start with A-Rod, right? He's, when he was playing, he was like, he like tried too hard to, to pretend he was human, you know, like, or he just he would just, I don't know. It was weird. He just seemed always fake. And when he, um, and then he was like a disgraced player at the end of his career. He got suspended for like 211 games for the PEDs and sort of went out on a bad note. Uh, but then after his playing career died, he started off like calling games. 
he was doing um, work with like studio work with Fox Sports. And he was just like, um, you know, basically just shooting the shit. Right. Like just talking baseball, like being real. And it was like refreshing. And you're like, oh, all right. A-Rod's likable. This is weird. And now it seems like on ESPN, he just he just has like these point like data points he has to get across. And they're just he's always talking about like, you know, it's just the same old cliche that every other announcer has. He talks about bunting. He talks about clutch guys. Like there's no way A-Rod likes bunting this much. Like he can't possibly <laughs> like he's A-Rod for God's sake. He hit, you know, almost 700 home runs. And he's sitting there talking about how great bunting is like, no, but um, the other thing is like, so if you're a national announcer, you, you have like these, you know, your sort of notes for the game and points you want to get across and they like harp on stuff. That's just, they, that's just wrong. So like last night, Jessica Mendoza was talking about, um, oh man. Um, so I think what was it? Did Matt Beatty pinch hit or something last night? I forget. They were, they were just talking about how, oh, Matt Beatty was consistently batting third this year, but Dave Roberts wanted to make sure he got him, uh, you know, uh, some uh, uh, tries off the bench to prepare him for the postseason. It's like, what? Uh, so Matt Beatty has batted third six times all year, but he happened to bat, bat third the first two games of the series against the Mets. So if, if your only exposure to the Dodgers, like in recent memory here, uh, in the last couple weeks is just seeing those first two games. You're like, Oh, Matt Beatty's their third hitter. I see. <laughs> so, and like, they just kept talking about this and they brought it up like later in the game too. But the worst of all was like, so last night, Kenley Jansen, he was one of the guys they wanted to get uh, into the game. That's why Bueller went short. And because it was a tie game, you're not guaranteed the Mets are going to bat in the ninth at that point. Um, so, they wanted to get Kenley Jensen in the game. So he pitched the eighth, not the ninth. It's a tight game. In like normal baseball situation, very few managers put their closers into a tight game on the road. This was not situated. This is the Dodgers like getting guys work for the getting them prepared for the postseason. So mm-hmm. he pitches the eighth, looked really good. That was one of the two perfect innings he had this week. Um and then during the inning in the top of the ninth, they pinch hit for Kenley Jensen. <laughs> and uh they show like Kenley Jensen in the dugout, and they're like all three of them are having a discussion. Uh, like yeah, Matt Beskersian, um, Jessica Mendoza, and A Rod. Like, man, Kenley looks like he wants to go back out there again. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe if the Dodgers get the lead, he can pitch the ninth. And meanwhile, like, um, I think it was Edwin Rios who pinch hit for him. <laughs> it's like he's already batted. Like, Kenley's out of the game. And they just they kept talking about it. And then, like, the best. So, this is before it went to break for the ninth inning. Uh, meanwhile, and they were they showed like, I think Kenta Maeda and Adam Kalerik were warming up, and I think Dylan Flora was warming up earlier in the inning, and they showed it, and the announcers were like, "Whoa, maybe they're not going into Jansen in the ninth. That's weird." You know, it's like they just pinch it for him. But like the best part was so, so sons of Steve Garvey. Uh, in fact, I I want to make sure I get this exactly right, and um, it's just like so. This was I would say, this was before the. Top of the it's when the it's when the top of the ninth was still going. So sons of Steve Garvey, um, right near the end of the inning, in all caps, <laughs> Jansen was batted for ding dongs. That was their entire tweet. <laughs> uh, I was laughing so hard. Uh, but, by the way, I had paused the cars at this point, so I was listening to the broadcast and I was like shocked by what they were talking about. So then, it seemed pretty obvious. You figure during the break, someone's producer or someone go, hey, by the way, you know they pinch him for Jansen. Like let's, they come back from break. 
uh, in fact, let me just get this right. I'm pretty sure it was Adam Kolarik who started the inning. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. So, and then they're like, oh, they didn't go to Jansen. Kind of surprising. It's like, no, they pinch hit for him, you idiots. Like, they, they kept talking about it. It's like, what game are you watching? The game against the Red Sox earlier this year? Like, I don't know, man. They just harp on these points that don't matter. And it's it's a very bad broadcast. Like, they, like it's, it's not like um, – like, I don't want to – I'm not criticizing, like, the effort, but it's like, man, just, like, put in a little bit of effort to, like, know the teams you're calling, you know? And I get it. It's hard. You can't, like, know every team, but there has to be some, like, sort of nuance here that they're just completely missing. And so th- those sort of things I, – I normally hate it, like, because everyone's sort of reaction to, like, Joe Buck or something is like, oh, Joe Buck hates my team or I hate Joe Buck – because that's what national announcers get. They get nationally. I don't like piling on like that, but they are objectively bad. Uh, it's a bad broadcast. So I wish, I wish they were better. And that's about it. I do wonder how much fault lies on them themselves versus either the production team or the research team at ESPN. Cause it seems like some of that, like, you know, the hit Kenley as an example, like a producer should be in their ear within two, two seconds. Like he's been, he was pitching for change your mind. And they just right. to keep going on for that. There's some sort of dysfunction there. Yeah. It, it's, it's very odd. And like, that's why it seems like they, it's like they, they have these like pre like fabricated or not fabricated. That's not the right. Just they, they have these like points they want to get to at some point in the broadcast and they will jam those in regardless of contact. It's like, um, let's say you're like, um, uh, like a customer service, like, uh, cold caller or something, right? You get someone on the phone and you're asking them questions and you, and like, you don't listen to the answers, but you, you have these questions you're trying to answer, but like, then you ask, answer or ask like a third question, but they've already answered it like in the first two, but it, like, if, all you have to do is like, listen and pay attention. And like, you would understand this, but they're like, Nope, we got to get through our list. Like that's, that's what it seems like to me. So again, it's a hard job, but I just, I just wish they were, they did a better job at it. Okay, we have our friend Craig, writer yep. for the writer for the website, sent us questions every week. I get to see him this weekend. I think I have to Yay. reach out to him. I have a small window, but I think we're going to make something work. But right now, it's time for questions from Craig. All right, five questions. You ready? Yeah. The LA Dodger franchise record for runs scored in a season is eight hundred and forty-two in nineteen sixty-two. And that was over 165 games to do a three-game playoff. Will the 2019 Dodgers break that record? And if so, who will score the 843rd run? I mean, they would have to, like, be really, really bad over the last two weeks to not break that. So they definitely will. And Edwin Rios is going to score it somehow. Cody Bellinger. I'm going, I'm going chalk. He's going to hit uh, 27 home runs to get to that record. <laughs> All right, Eric, this is for you. You have been tracking this for months. Who will win the title of Dodgers Sacrifice Bunt Leader for 2019? Okay, so the current standings, and it's Major League standings too, because like Sonny Gray. And Craig mentioned that. I wanted to get your prediction first. Yeah, so so the leader in the clubhouse right now is Kenta Maeda, but he's pitching out of the bullpen. So unless unless he has a three or four inning save in his belt, he's not going to bat. And look, he still could. So I think he's out. So all it takes is one of Kershaw and Ryu to get two sacrifices to beat that. I will say, 
I, I think Ryu's going to do it. I think he gets the two needed to beat them. Kershaw gets one, ends at 13. Sonny Gray doesn't sacrifice because he's selfish. No, I don't know. Just looking at Baseball Reference War, Craig's final three pick, and they're nothing shocking here for NL MVP, are Cody Bellinger, Anthony Rendon, and Chris Yelich. What do you think of that, and would you change anything on that list? So I think the way it was going, um, I think Christian Yelich, had he not hurt his kneecap, I think he would have won. Like he was, he was, he he's been sort of distancing himself offensively the last few weeks uh, from everybody else in the National League, and this week sucked because like the reigning NL MVP Yelich and then like the clear cut favorite for AL MVP Mike Trout ended their season. Mike Trout's having foot surgery, uh, so. That sucks. I still think he should win AL MVP. But um, for Yelich, um, so leaving the, what's going to end up being about three weeks on the t- on the table will help Bellinger. Um, the problem is like the, always the, it's the how you factor in defense. Like Bellinger's obviously been really good defensively at multiple positions and has an advantage over that in Yelich uh, over Yelich. Um, but I would say Yelich like makes up a lot of that in base running uh, advantage. Uh, I think he's like it was like thirty steals in maybe thirty two attempts. I, I haven't looked at this in a couple of days, but yeah. So like, I think Yelich like if you had to pin me down right now, Yelich is the favorite. But there's still two weeks left, so and it's going to be hard. You know, you, you can't you can't build momentum if you're not playing. So if if one of these players finishes hot. Rendon is like criminally underrated usually. So like he's had seasons before where he like led in Fangraphs war and doesn't like get really sniff the MVP voting. I think if he's lower than third, it's a crime. Uh, you could see a scenario where he could win it with like an insane two weeks Rendon. I just don't think it's going to happen. So it's, it's like unless Bellinger like completely tanks the last two weeks, he's in a good spot to win it. Um, but I think it's it, like if Yelich had not gotten hurt, he would have won. So my final, I think the final order is going to be Bellinger, Yelich, Rendon. The only other person I think who could sneak in is probably Freddie Freeman. Like Ronald Acuna is going to end up probably going 40-40. Um, Freeman's going to have more RBIs and like you get the, and everyone gets to argue over who's more valuable to their team and people emphasize for the team because apparently like, if you put something in italics, that means more. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think that's basically what you're looking at is, is a, one of those Braves is fourth and potentially could finish third if voters, like, continue to sort of underrate Anthony Rendon. But I think it's going to be Bellinger, Yelich, Rendon. I think that, too. I definitely think Bellinger had sort of built up enough of – and this is who I think will win, not who I would vote for win. I, I, Yelich, I, if I had a vote, which I don't, uh, I still might vote for Yelich. I'm not sure. Um, but Bellinger, it's certainly, certainly close. And Bellinger built up a really large sort of narrative around that, how good his defense is this year. And that matters a lot. We still have sort of shaky defensive metrics. So there's not a clear cut way. So a lot of the way you get that reputation for being good defensively is just that is how much are people talking about how good you are and 
a lot of players are great defensively and never get that. Luckily, this time it, it fits both, right? Sometimes you get that reputation when you're not actually maybe that good. Um, Derek Cheater comes to mind for a few right. seasons. And in this case, it lines up well. He deservedly is getting praise for his defense. And I think that's going to matter a lot in how people actually vote, even if Yelich sort of did really separate himself offensively. Um, I think had Yelich stayed the same um, healthy and Bellinger goes off in a little bit of tear, he would have run it in that case as well. But now the the sort of weight on that is is less important. And then and this is another thing where it's like it's like which defensive metrics do you choose, and it's really hard to like pin down which mm-hmm. one is good. And like um, uh, like if you look at Fangraphs WAR, like Bellinger's leading pretty handily in Baseball Reference WAR, but like Fangraphs WAR, Yelich is seven point seven. Uh, Bellinger seven point two, uh, and then Rendon and Kettle Marte is are seven point oh. Marte has the most like defensive value of those uh, those four, and Rendon actually has more defensive value on Fangrass than Bellinger does. So like, and Rendon and Bellinger are like almost in lockstep offensively, especially um, uh, adjusted uh, numbers, but. They're both slugging 625. Rendon has a higher average, a little bit higher on base. Uh, their uh, WRC plus are, is both 161. So they're they're pretty close too. But like, yeah, if like, you know, if Bellinger gets like six more home runs, right, and he gets to 50, even if he doesn't like lead the league, he has 50, right? Like it's sort of that, not that voters are like going to be tricked or something, but that's also a pretty big finish and it would help his case. So we'll see. But yeah, like... Um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. I think you could see a potential for like four or five different players getting first place votes because you know people are going to be like, well, I'll look at Freddie Freeman and all those RBIs. Um, and then like, I don't know. And then Ronald Acuna could go 40-40. So I don't want to like put that past him. Uh, and like jo- Josh Donaldson's been really good too. So like, man, that's they're just like, they're all really good. The 2019 Dodgers have 12 pinch hit home runs. That's tied for the LA franchise lead. Who will hit the lucky 13th pinch hit home run? So I think in in saving Justin Turner's ankle, uh, he'll start you know uh, quite a bit once he gets back in the lineup. But they'll also like give him rest. So uh, he's going to come in one of the games on the road in the last week of the year. And uh, you know what? No, he's going to do one of the home games. Like, he'll start two of the games next this weekend against the Rockies. Maybe he doesn't start the game you're there. So you'll see him on Saturday come in pinch hitting in the eighth inning, and he'll hit a home run. That'll be the 13th of the year. Nobody. It's going to stay at 12. Whoa. All right. With fall and October, you have you um, during one of our breaks. You mentioned to me that you had one more rant in, and we haven't hit it. And so I and I was trying to guess which question would be on. I figured it out. With fall and October around the corner, it is time for that annual question about why pumpkin coffee, pumpkin beer, etc. My question to you both is: Do you prefer pumpkin spice drinks, peppermint, or old reliable eggnog flavored drinks, or just plain old eggnog? Uh. <laughs> So peppermint all the way. Uh, pumpkin spice is terrible. Um, like pumpkin spice belongs in one thing and one thing only, and that's pumpkin pie. And like, and basically, it should be eaten maybe twice a year at most. One is obviously Thanksgiving, and one is maybe Christmas, depending on what your sort of family traditions are. But other than that, just keep it out of everything, man. It's terrible. Um, peppermint stuff is good. Um, 
eggnog is atrocious. Uh, it's the worst possible drink. Someone uh, I went to high school with on Facebook the other day posted a picture of it's. They said like it's time, and it was just their shopping cart with pumpkin spice eggnog. And I, I can't think of a worse thing to drink. Like you, unless unless they sort of made like guacamole mayonnaise a drink somehow. Like that that would be my my nightmare somehow with sour cream mixed in. Oh God. It's just terrible. So, yeah, get it out. Uh, I don't really like any of these things that much, uh, except I, so pumpkin spice is interesting in that, like, really early in sort of this craze, there were some pumpkin beers that I enjoyed but wouldn't want more than one of. But the problem with pumpkin spice is it's really similar to the spice profile of gingerbread, which I do love a mm. lot. Um, and I'm wondering why. I think it's just because, well, gingerbread, it tends to be in bread and cookies, and that's something that this works really well with. So I enjoy that flavor profile a lot. It does remind me of fall, but I don't want it in a latte, and I don't want it really all that much in a beer or anything else. So also really, really good eggnog is delicious, but any like anything pre-made that you're getting in a store or anything eggnog-flavored, I'm not interested in. Yeah, I mean, and I will admit, like, my... I, I'm weird with eggs where I like only like them scrambled. So I get that. I'm the weird one here. I, so I don't like, like eggs at all. But if you, yeah. with a proper eggnog, uh, the alcohol basically should kill. It should mm. just add texture and not t- any taste. It should instead taste like sort of fall seasonings and cream is what it should I, mostly taste like. And I, and I, I get like you, you basically you could add alcohol to anything and make it like passable or something. Uh, but like I, I think I, I get weirded out by folks who just like um like eggnog on its own like non-alcoholic eggnog it's like ugh, what are you doing and I'm, I'm curious yeah i'm trying to think of how that would work just because i think the alcohol does so much in killing so making the egg part of the texture so i don't know maybe uh maybe i'll find a really good recipe and make you a cup and see if i can convert you the, yeah like do you just will you just like go to the the store and like get a carton of half and half and then just down that. Like, <laughs> Sounds is great. It's not like the, the equivalent for the, every part of the year. That's not like the holidays. Like, ugh, God. well, All as right. we mentioned, we've got a special episode next week that we're re- going to record a little bit early since I am in LA. Uh, so we won't have a full recap of this week uh, next week, but then we'll be back for the playoffs. And uh, I don't know what our recording schedule is going to be like in the playoffs, but I imagine it'll be, similar to what we've done in years before where we try to record a little bit more frequently and a little bit shorter. Yeah. I'm going to be at the home games for the Dodgers, like during the playoffs. And I'm not going to be, I don't think traveling until the world are you gonna, series. Are you going to travel to Oakland for the world series? No. Oh, well, I called. So there. I, uh, that's, I like that call. Um, I, I think, and knock on wood here, I think I'll end up going to the world series at least the first two games, no matter where it is. That's so, cool. yeah. So like in a weird way, like if, if somehow like the Dodgers are in the world series, it would be best for me, like personally, <laughs> if the Dodgers didn't have yeah. home field, so I could go to the first five games. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so that's, if you're looking at for what I'm selfishly rooting for, that's probably it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about this. We'll, we'll have a, sort of a playoff roster sort of preview. We, we hinted at, uh, at least my thoughts on it, I hinted at it earlier in this podcast. But yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. Um, and possibly by then, the Dodgers may have wrapped up the number one seed of the NL, but 
then again, now that I said this, they probably won't. So we'll see you next week. <laughs>